0: This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use offer code SMART12
1: what's up everybody smart people podcast in the house this is chris and this is john we are solving the hardest problem there is today we are helping men and women connect and talk and really not hate each other and communicate that's what i was going for connecting and talking and not hating is communicating this week we talk with joe wickham Joe brings more than 20 years of relevant experience to his work as relationship coach and therapist. He's the CEO and founder of the Relationship Society and the author of the book, Reboot Your Relationship, Restoring Love Through Real Connection in a Disconnected World. This was an awesome conversation we had with Joe, as you will learn, but it's just really cool to talk to somebody who knows about connecting and how opposite sexes deal with things because we all go through it and it can be
0: confusing and frustrating. So we're excited to bring this to you. And I was actually impressed with why he wanted to do this. You know, where he was talking about, I wanted to hold myself personally responsible, hold my feet to the fire, that type of thing. And usually when you see these relationship advisors and therapists and all that kind of stuff, you kind of look at it, you wonder, I wonder why this person's really doing what they're doing.
1: Well, and usually they're afraid to announce that, hey, I've had my own issues or everybody has because they feel like they have to be so, you know, so much on a higher level. And you can just tell he, he, he owned that and he was cool with it. And we drop a lot of good knowledge in this episode. We don't. He does. So looking
0: forward to it. John, we got any housekeeping things? You always know those. Not too much. But head over to smartpeoplepodcast.com. Click that Amazon banner. There's still time to do your oh, holiday shopping. Yes, Christmas, Hanukkah, all those fun things coming up. Buy some gifts for your friends and your family. But make sure that you click the banner at the top of the page at smartpeoplepodcast.com. Thanks for connecting with us via email. You can do that at the site. And let us
1: know what you think. Please enjoy this episode, and we'll catch you in about 35. Well, Joe, again, thanks so much for being on the show. I'm really excited to chat with you. I'm recently engaged, so every time I learn about somebody who is knowledgeable about relationships, I just can't wait to talk to them because what I've learned is it is impossible to it not maybe not impossible, but it is very hard to communicate properly and effectively with the opposite sex. Why is that?
2: Well, you know there are a lot of different reasons for that. I think socially, we're we're obviously we are raised up, trained very differently uh, by gender distinctions. Those distinctions between male and female, you know, the word usages that we have, and different things like that. Um, and the way our brains are hardwired. So, you know, just our DNA makes a big difference. Uh, we're, I mean, even like, let's say, for instance, you were to say something, your girlfriend or fiance were to say, you know, I have no clothes to wear, right? It
1: happens all the time. So
2: for you, I have no clothes to wear has one set of meaning or perception. It might mean to you that, you know, you have nothing clean. And for her, it means that she has nothing new to wear and it's time to go shopping. So there's going to be a distinction. You know, between you and her just because of different nuances or iterations and those dances. So those different types of perspectives. You know um,
1: you know what's the most frustrating? And I didn't have this plan, but it's something that took me about three months to figure out once we moved in together. was She would put something on and say, I don't feel comfortable. And in my mind, I'm like them put on sweatpants because it's the most comfortable thing on the planet. But what, right. eventually what I got out of her is she meant – I don't like the way this makes me feel. Not the way I feel in these clothes, but the way they make me feel about myself. And that's one of those nuances that blows my mind. I would never, I don't understand the logic there.
2: Right, it's gonna be different. So part of that is for us as guys to be able to lean into that and try to understand or validate or even get more, cause all that stuff is just really confusion, right? We're What we're trying to bring to the confusion is clarity. And a good way to kind of lean into that and find get clarity in our communication is to ask questions. Um, what does that mean for you to be uncomfortable? Uh, for me, it means that I put on sweats. Maybe it means something different to you. You know, what does that mean for you? So you're getting down to underneath that into more of the meaning of what's going on within her and between the two of you.
1: Yeah, and actually, I really like that because... I don't claim to be, and I, I'm, we're not going to make this episode about Chris, but it's just, hey, I just had to ask you. But I don't claim to be that good at asking those questions, and it's something that I had to learn. So I think by that's one of the things we want to talk to you about is how can we communicate better? How can people take tips away, both sexes, not just men, but women as well, on how to communicate, open those lines of communication. So I want to get into that, but before we do, could you give us a little background? on what you do, how you got there, why this is something you've, you know, focused your life and your career around.
2: Yeah, there's four reasons I'm really passionate about and teach and write about relationship stuff. If you've been to my uh, blog and my Mm -hmm. websites and stuff and read my book, um, it's one, it's been really my greatest pain point for most of my life, just around Mm -hmm. my own relationships Mm -hmm. and going through uh, a lot of the failure that most everyone goes through. But it's also the source of my greatest pleasure in life as well. And it's the gnarliest, most adventurous hero's journey I've experienced. And you know and number four, the reason I really got into this is so I can really hold myself to the fire of that work. And like some of us, you know I've, uh, you know there's that part of me that would rather avoid blame, fall asleep, and distance myself in relationships. But by teaching and facilitating the work, it really keeps me accountable to myself and to others. And when I don't live what I teach, it's that kind of awful feeling that motivates me into action or back into this personal integrity. So I want to create and relate tools and community and accountability to people and to to be able to do that. And uh, it's interesting because we're now talking uh, all day yesterday and today about Nelson Mandela And I spent 12 years doing some research around, my company's called the Relationship Society, and we designed this thing as a way of really creating connection. I spent a whole decade looking at reconciliation and and healing fractured relationships and looking at what is it that, uh, it's not the task of finding love, it's looking at all the ways that, and all the barriers to love that stop us from really being able to create those authentic connections so our book and the work we do is not looking at how do we find it but what are the barriers what are the things that prevent us and stop us from really having true intimacy and uh, connection and especially for us men right because as men we really have a hard time making those authentic connections with women and having that vulnerability and having that but I think we're we're growing in that I think there's an evolution of that so I've really taken a step of looking at intimate relationships as a transformative path meaning that we're broken in relationship and that we can find really healing and restoration in relationship through relationship.
1: And I'd like to go into that because I true I mean I believe the same thing and I think when you find that person and you look forward to coming home to them and all that it it adds a new level of just happiness and just fulfillment. But in the same token as you even mentioned it can also be the greatest source of pain and just all the bad emotions as well. So right. do we all have to face both of those and you just work through them and kind of ride the tidal wave? And are there ways to maximize the good and minimize the bad, if you will?
2: You know, I think it's really stepping into that whole process because and accepting and going through both the good and the bad. And, you know, cause that's the whole transformative stuff. I mean, I've gone through some really hellacious, painful relationships and those are my, you know, that hero's journey. That's where I've had the greatest amount of growth is going through some of that pain. And so I think for most people, it's, it's really learning to own our, our own story. And, and that can be hard, but not nearly as difficult as spending our lives running from it. So embracing our vulnerabilities, as risky as that is, but it's not nearly as dangerous as giving up on love and belonging and joy. So it's creating those experiences that make us most vulnerable. And only when we're brave and have that courage, that we're courageous enough to explore that darkness, are we going to be able to discover more of that infinite power of our light in relationships, but cultivating that love, Can be really hard
1: we interviewed Brene Brown who talks a lot about vulnerability and it was the first time that I'd ever put meaning behind that word really and and looked at it at myself as a mid-20s guy at the time and just I'm not vulnerable or whatever but when you allow yourself to be and open yourself up to apologize or to fall in love or to connect with somebody on a level that allows them to hurt you I do right. think it adds a new layer of discovery for yourself.
2: Absolutely, and that's that's exactly right. I actually trained and did a lot of work with Brene Brown. She's one of the people in my life that has really impacted me the most, and really relating it back to that vulnerability and different things like that. But yeah, I find that fi- helping couples to not just you know survive, but to really thrive in their relationships.
1: So let's talk about thriving in a relationship. What have you found in all your experience, as you mentioned with the Relationship Society, I actually want to get into that in a little bit, but what have you found in talking to all these people tend to be common themes of why relationships aren't succeeding and how do you recommend we kind of move through that?
2: Well, first I think, you know, a couple that wants to thrive and really deepen over the long haul, uh, they really need to have two pieces in place. One, they have to have a shared context, and second, they really need to have shared language or tools that they're able to work with. Like you're saying, those distinctions between you and your uh, fiancé, those are distinctions or differences. So in other words, if one person's growing the other isn't, you know it's not going to work. So when one one will simply outgrow the other person, and what we want to try to do is we want to engage them because when the one that's growing, the one's going to feel judged, while the other one's going to feel kind of unmet or unseen or not connected to. And of course, you know if that couple wants to stay in that type of relationship, they could possibly make it work if the growth-oriented person. Is going to abandon themselves and collude with the less growth oriented person's fear. So basically, what they end up saying is, you know, I love you so much, I'm gonna stop growing for you. And this agree to disagree approach is, you know, that complacency is rooted in fear for both parties. So it's gonna be important that, you know, if they're gonna try to make it work, you know, help them lead to, you know, that kind of that part, that little vicious, we call it their vicious cycle. Or their vortex, they both get into this, leads to endless frustration, and struggle, or kind of an overall giving up, or settling, or checking out, or whatever. So I see that often. And there's, it, it, but there's another way. And believe it or not, we we want to be able to have, you know, they can have what they really want relationally, and but it requires that they love themselves deeper, and that they're able to, you know, find that possibility or that vulnerability, and that they heal you know, even from their own past, that's showing up in the present. So mm-hmm. if they can find ways, like I've, I've had to really commit myself to this and help other couples commit themselves to this, the game here is getting the other person to love us. You know, we give up that game. We're giving up the game of getting the other person to love us just the right way. And that ends.
1: It's funny, John and I try to approach this from a semi-outsider's perspective and, and think about it from a listener's perspective as well as our own. But when it's something like relationships, it's so personal that you can't help to put your own experiences. And it helps because what you're saying I know is something that I deal with, and I'm sure that means a lot of other people deal with. So I right. wanted to kind of talk to you about, you know, for example, say you have that one person uh, wants to grow. The other doesn't. I could see that kind of power struggle coming often. Personally, I think it switches. Sometimes one person wants to grow. The other time it's the other person. Is there a way to kind of gently nudge them or how do you recommend they come together and grow together as opposed to grow apart?
2: Well, I I mean there's a lot of different on-ramps or approaches to that. I think you know, making sure they have a secure connection and there's safe haven. There's a safe haven approach to that and they're talking – You know, but it really comes back to looking at ourselves. I always talk about the power of one. It only takes one person to really change the rhythm of a dance. Like, for instance, a lot of guys will say, you know, I'd like to say something to my woman or to her without her freaking out, right? Uh So why is her reaction really a problem? I mean, what's wrong with your partner freaking out? And I think for most of us, we have it that the reason that we hold back our truth in relationship is because our partner can't handle it or they're going to get upset. But the main reason many of us hold back is that we are afraid. And what are we afraid of? Afraid of what? So a few things, but mainly our reaction to their reactions. So we're afraid of our own stuff that gets triggered when they get triggered. And this is the enmeshed stance in relationships. So I can't be me because I might upset you, so I protect myself or withhold what I really want to say. And so, you know, meanwhile, I'm robbing my significant other, my woman, or whomever, the the opportunity to grow by not saying anything. So part of that is going, okay, so what if the other person gets upset? That's really their problem, not yours. And if we're on it, we want to make space for their reactivity and love them through it. So we have to learn how to be smarter and more courageous than this in relationships, especially if we care about being who we truly are, and especially if we love and really do love the other person. So we got to give them a chance and trust that they can handle who we are. But it's getting back to that dance. And this is where the relationship, you know, can be very transformative when both people are giving each other permission to show up and be honest and truth to each other in love.
1: I love that. And I love the quote it only takes one person to change a dance that's gonna be somewhere in our in our future book or something i can guarantee you that and and also what you were saying i really understand because i know the way i communicate the way i handle things is to be very verbal and the way my fiance communicates tends to be very internal and i'm worried i'm gonna just start getting all loud and italian and whatnot (laughs) And not be able to deal with her internalizing it. And then it's going to create more angst in myself. So I can see that it's kind of owning your own reality and saying, it's not about what I say makes me feel. It's kind of about getting it out there and letting them own it. I mean, to be an individual as well as a partner.
0: Yeah. And I wanted to touch on like the individual aspect real quick, because one of the things that I see happen so often are people change you know, who they are in relationships. And they tend to go away from that individual that they are. And I guess I recently saw something where there was some study out there saying that the one thing that keeps people together so long now is for each partner to remain an individual and seek out those interests that they have and those things that make them happy. I mean, is there a balance that you need to strike there with being an individual where at some point it becomes too selfish where... You're not letting that other person be part of you as well, does that make sense?
2: yeah, absolutely i you, I think that idea of co-creating uh who am I? you know where am I going? what do I stand for or fight for my higher purpose? you know having a good strong sense of who I am in a relationship is very powerful because i'm if I walk in a room, I'm not changing I'm not but at the same time, how do we create a we so we have I to we the we is really. That co created part of us where we talk about dreams, desires, wishes, needs, wants. The, the people that are in hell the relationships are the ones where there is not a give and take or, or some sort of reciprocity or, you know. But the freedom to love is not a demand that you meet my needs necessarily. You're not there to demand a need to be met. That's a childhood. That's a little kid making demands for needs to be met. But it is taking the adult stance of being loved and asking for needs to be met and, and talking through those things because the, the adult stance in relationship is saying, hey, this is a wish or a want or a need. Are you able to fulfill that need, yes or no, or later or whatever? So you're, you know, you're able to have that conversation about needs. Now, if I'm a lover, which I am, You know i want to be able to meet the needs of my other spouse but you get into these dynamics and we and one in our book we talk about love styles or attachment styles these ways of relating or not relating so it's important that the and part of it is we also look at our needs and what those emotional needs are and how those emotional needs are met there's Tons of different, we could go over, you know, a hundred different emotional needs and needs, but we cover about 12 different uh, emotional needs and six other basic core needs that are in relationship. And so when you're co creating, um, you're looking at ways to fulfill those needs from a place of love, which is the betterment of the other person, which is really more kind of uh, an unconditional love or a, um, a love that is. There to serve and look for the betterment of the other person. But it's not a demanding style.
1: This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Listen, guys, you know me. You know I have no clue how to code or design my own website. But with Squarespace, I just built a website for a friend of mine who's a photographer, and she's currently cashing in on holiday photo shoots. Making a professional and clean website was so easy, and even a dope like me can do it.
0: Guys, Chris is not lying. I honestly was expecting phone calls every day to help him build this site, but he was able to do it on his own. Everything's easy. It's drag and drop. It has responsive design, so it fits in an iPhone, a tablet, whatever you want it to fit. He didn't have to call me. It was great. Squarespace is doing something right. They've got an awesome customer care team, which is based in New York City, and I just found out that their office is called the Care Bear Lair. How cool is that? Squarespace starts at just $8 a month and includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code
1: SMART12 to get 10% off and to show your support for Smart People Podcast. John and I also want to sincerely thank Squarespace for their support. Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. Yeah, I like that too, thinking about it as you, know, as you mentioned it, comparing it to a child. A child kind of demands things. I kind of wanted to talk about, as you mentioned, the I to we, and I know in your book, you talk about we three, the the we three idea. So I want I want to open that up to you. The book is Reboot Your Relationship, Restoring Love Through Real Connection in a Disconnected World. And so that that opens a whole plethora of topics. That I don't want to get into with the whole disconnection. But could you first explain to us that we three idea?
2: It's originally started as a system, a program I put together about twelve years ago on empowering through education, experiential, and entertainment. So there was a seminar that I did. It's three to four days that we bring couples through. It's a process uh, that would really connect them to. Uh, and engage them into the world of really authentic uh, relate connection and dialogue in uh, through a three day process, three or four day process, and so we get them. And we use like movies, music, different things like that, experiential exercises, or jumping off tables, bungee jumping, all sorts of experiential things. But it's to get them engaged and re-engaged. But we we basically take them through that whole system over uh, the three days. To connect with that vulnerability, their uh, emotional connection. Looking at their I, you know, who am I? How did they get put together? Looking at their family of origin stuff. Looking at things that, how did I get put together? What are the things that make me me? You know, my identity, my personality. So we go through that, and we look at our the adult attachment styles that were shaped and formed early on. And then we move them through that process of, and uh, help them identify their love style, uh, whether they're a, a pursuer or an avoider in the relationship or more chaotic and if there's trauma. And then how do they move from that I to uh, – because it's almost like they have to learn, unlearn, and relearn who the six people are in the relationship, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, the six people are me and how I view me, me how I view you. You how you view you, you how you view me, and then there's truth, reality, and looking at how we really are showing up in the relationship and really rediscovering that relationship and reconnecting those parts.
1: And what I pull out of that, and you kind of glazed over it, was the love styles. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Because I'm a big fan of... Self-discovery and stuff. So I've done every Myers-Briggs and all this stuff. I like knowing what style. So I want to hear what type of love styles you've found that people have.
2: Oh, okay. Well, Bowlby talks a lot about um, our attachment styles. And that was originally fleshed out in the 50s around the different uh, stuff around uh, more the pursuer, initiator in relationships versus more the avoidant attachment style or distancer. Um, you have where people have trauma. There's more of a uh, that type of attachment style. But the five love styles that we talk about in our book and uh, are these ta- uh, childhood attachments or imprints from our past. We have the avoider, uh, the more the vacillator. If you're familiar with that type of style of relating, it's come close, get away. Uh, you know, it's kind of a more of a chaotic cat and mouse dance that they do. More of a pleaser. Uh, we also talk about the controller or the victim. And then we also talk about the um, more secure attachment styles. So, and those can all be. Um, I mean, if you want me to break them down for you, I can certainly go through that. But they're they're different ways of relating. And and typically, what couples don't realize is that you don't you normally see a pursuer or a pursuer or a pleaser pleaser in a relationship because it just creates this kind of <laughs> <laughs> dynamic that's a little. Uh, You know, it can be a little, I don't know, chaotic in some ways or uh, and you don't normally see two avoiders in a relationship. That dynamic doesn't usually occur uh, except for in one night stands. You (laughs) you know, you have the one night stand, the two avoiders together just to fulfill one (laughs) space of time. But they usually don't make that connection. Right. They don't really connect. And then you have the pleasers, you know, and the vacillators, and these are different things that we talk about. But ultimately, what we want to try to help couples realize is that we talked about that transformative path of creating a secure connection, and really discovering and learning how they can create that secure attachment is when we look at what kind of you know home had guided them as children toward a secure imprint uh, as an adult. So if you're a secure connector, we find that these people are more comfortable with reciprocity and balancing giving and receiving in their relationships. And they can describe their strengths and weaknesses and uh, themselves and others without idealizing or devaluing. You don't see that splitting of all good, all bad, all or nothing, black and white so much. You know, they're able to stay connected and reflect and do all that stuff that relationship. You know, when you're healthy and you have that high level of emotional intelligence, and they're really good at you know setting uh, boundaries and saying no and yes and saying yes to life and relationships, and they're more comfortable with new situations and can take risks and you know all those things that go on when you have a real secure connection, and that's kind of the ideal, I guess.
0: I have to ask real quick: who does the avoider match up with?
2: Usually the avoider will typically match up with, a, with like a pursuer or a vacillator because um, they usually will find you know, someone that you – because know, they kind of fill the gap. But you usually the avoider has a great fear of being enmeshed or losing themselves in the relationship. And then right. the pursuer has a great fear of abandonment or rejection. So you see the pursuer kind of – and you see that dance where the pursuer pursues – and then in, over time, at first, it makes the, you know, the the avoider feel a sense of oxygen and connection, but it's outside of themselves. And so, but then over time, they feel overwhelmed, and, sh- and then so they shut down and withdraw and distance themselves, which creates panic, of course. Mm-hmm. So, when get into that, there's kind of a protest, and the pursuer pursues more, and, you know, and then, because then you see the withdrawer kind of distancing and going into the bat cave over time and avoiding the relationship. And um, so you get that protest and the depression, despair, and then eventually that pursuer will detach from the relationship completely and withdraw. And as soon as they start withdrawing and distancing, then that sets off the alarm system for the withdrawer, the distancer, and that's normally 85% men. Men generally are more the pursuer in the relationship, if if that makes sense.
1: It's funny because I, I feel like, you were describing. I mean, John and I go back a long time, and I, I Not feel dating like dating-wise, I feel <laughs> like with the uh, avoider, you were perfectly describing John a lot of times. And then you said, mostly though, the men are the pursuer. And I was like, oh boy, are yes. uh,
2: generally the withdrawer, I should say. If I made a mistake, um, they will definitely generally be more the one that is avoidant or distancing in the relationship than than uh, let's say a, a female. The, oh yeah. Um,
1: yeah, that's John. Because I'll be like, no, dude, <laughs> g- give her a chance. She likes you. And he'll be like, uh, but but then it's a lot of pressure. And it's just easier if I go to my bat cave,
0: like yeah. literally. <laughs> exactly, right. And I call, I call this studio the bat cave too. So I started laughing when you said that. And full disclosure, I got engaged when I was 25. And then that didn't work out. So I had a span of like mm, three, four years of dating that it was exactly that, where I'd go two months of dating and then just withdraw completely. Just bail. Uh, oh yeah.
2: <laughs> well, you know, focusing on gender, we're talking about that. John Gottman, who is a big guy up in the in in the marriage clinic up in Seattle, had found out that when men are men are far more likely than women to be like stonewallers or avoiders by eighty five percent. And men avoid emotional conflicts by going off by themselves. So if you ask like a male stonewaller to describe his state of mind, he's gonna often say, you know, I'm trying not to react. Though his, you know, wife or you know, girlfriend, you know, perceives his silence as an act of hostility and likely to interpret his response as a rejection of her. And she couldn't imagine meeting him you no know, him needing to kind of withdraw over such a minor criticism. And we talk about um, these interactions around uh, these interactions that produce what we call like a vicious cycle, especially in marriage or relationships where there's high levels of conflict because the more the girlfriend or wife complain and criticize, the more the husband, boyfriend withdraw on Stonewall, and the more husband on <laughs> Stonewall, the more the wives complain and criticize so what we try to work with in these relationship intensives is that this cycle has to be broken if the relationship's going to be avoid disillusion. So if the if the wife becomes belligerent and contemptuous, the husband's likely to drive it more. So what we try to say is that no matter what style of relationship or marriage couples have adopted, their discussions for the most part are carried along by this more strong undercurrent of two base ingredients. That make it successful, and that's gonna be love and respect or acceptance. And I talk a lot about what's called wabi-sabi love, which is another thing we can go into. But these are the direct opposite of and the antidote for, let's say, contempt or and perhaps you know contempt is the most corrosive force in the relationship. But all the ways these partners show each other love and respect also ensure that those what we call your positive and negative ratio of a relationship will be heavily tilted more to the positive side, five to one. We want to make sure that that's, we're ramping that up. But by all that, we mean there's like this mutual respect for and enjoyment of each other's company. And they're not just getting along, but they're also able to support each other's hopes and aspirations and build a sense of purpose in their lives together. And, and that's really what we mean when we're talking about honor and respecting each other and in the relationship or marriage we want and them to you know to need to understand the bottom line difference that is causing the conflict between them and to learn how to live with it by honoring and respecting each other. So I hope that makes sense. But that's that cycle, you see that vicious cycle that Hmm. dance get into. We call it a dance.
1: That was one of the clearest ways that I've, I've heard it put, I mean, John and I were kind of just laughing, looking at each other. Cause the thing you said is so true and, and not to stereotype genders, it could be vice versa, but it's just one person does one thing, which sets the other person off who reacts away. They don't enjoy it. And then it, they keep going at it. Everybody's, I think, been in that relationship. And sometimes you can, you can bring it back up to, you know, a healthy relationship, but it takes both people to step outside of themselves open up, drop the contempt, which, man, if you haven't been in a relationship where you had contempt for the other person, like, I don't even know if you're really living, because that happens. And I wanted you to to kind of talk about, I didn't catch the word, I think it was like wabi-sabi love, but you said it's the opposite of the contemptual relationship. So I was hoping you could kind of expand on that a little bit.
2: Yeah, well, wabi-sabi, there's a, there's a book, it's not my idea, but it is part of our book, and we talk about it in our intensives. But there's this old ancient Japanese principle, and it's an art form uh, around the art of imperfection. And so what they do is they take these amazing vases that are cracked, and they will, you know, the crack, what they'll do, I wish I could show you a picture here, but they will, um, where there's a crack, these imperfections, they will layer in like 24 karat gold and then put it into a museum and shine a light on that crack as a way of accentuating and honoring those imperfections. And, and so when we look at relationships, and again, it's, just not a, it's, it's not just acknowledging those differences. It's really a heartfelt, unconditional uh, love of acceptance for that other person, those differences, and valuing those differences. I call it fierce grace or deep compassion, because when you understand the brokenness and what that, where that crack comes from, it changes everything. And so we talk about that as kind of being like wabi-sabi love. It's a, And it's a fun way of really getting couples to connect to those parts. Instead of judging it or condemning or making the cracks wrong or bad, we want them to go from annoyed to enjoyed. They're enjoying each other more.
1: I love that. I love the – Visual behind it, I really enjoy that idea of the, the cracked base with the the gold in there because you hear that a lot. You know, you hear the oh the imperfections of the things you miss or uh, you sh- you should grow to love. And it sounds when it's put that way, it's like, well, why would I love imperfections? Because I'd rather because them... it makes us who we are, Chris. Yeah, Come but, on, but I'd rather you just be perfect. But you know, but. That's ridiculous. And I like the visual because it does bring you back to that. What John just said and what you said is like, you do have to understand we ha- I have imperfections, so I can't ask for somebody to not love those.
2: Exactly. And when you get to that space of really admiring uh, those distinctions and admiring those things, it's amazing because then everything changes um, it changes everything because now the things that, you know, you get to understand what those dragons are, those vulnerabilities or raw spots. And, and, no, and you know, and you learn to kind of go, okay, you know, we're not dancing around it. We're not walking on eggshells, but we really truly honor that and finding a way of loving and admiring one another. And that's one of the things we talk about in our seminars Um we talk about admiration. It's such a big part. It's one of our six core human needs. Is around admiration or significance. And um, because if I were to say to you, "Hey, John, you know, I really love you, but I don't admire you, mm-hmm. or I admire you, but I don't love you," you know, one of those two ways. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to have both the love and admiration or respect. I had one of my guys. He was a uh, leaving Mike. He's a pro golfer. He was leaving our seminar a couple of week, months ago. And I was talking about this idea of wabi-sabi love and, and admiration for his wife. And, and he, was, he, was, he had heard this before, but he was leaving in mid, uh, the middle of the seminar. I said, hey, Mike, where are you going? And he goes, hey, Joe, I, I'm sorry, I really got to go. My wife's having, going to the – she's got this art exhibit she's doing. And I said, hey, Mike, so you love art? And he goes, no, I hate art. <laughs> so I said, why are you going? He Said because I love it when my wife comes alive and she's doing what she loves, and her eyes, her body, and everything's engaged in what she's doing this passion of hers. And I just love seeing my wife come alive. And he goes, That's the most sexiest ever. Yeah. And so he's like off and he's leaving. And I'm going, That is awesome. Yeah, that is so cool because who does that really showing up and loving and admiring? Uh, their spouse, even though it's not, because you're asking, what do we do about things and you know, co-creating? That is such an important thing. Is really loving and, and embracing those differences.
1: That's a really cool story too, and I, I think something that every couple I know and and a bunch of my friends are in that stage where they're you know recently married. Uh, You quickly learn there are a lot of things that, you know, my fiance hates it when I watch football, but we've gotten to the point where she's like, all right, you can have your Sundays, you know, and you just have to, you have to cohabitate and live with that person instead of trying to change them. Right. We've talked a lot about some things and I wanted to just give you a minute because I love the, some of the quotes, some of the sound bites you've given us. If you could sum up, you know, what you dive into in your book, Reboot Your Relationship, which aspect do you focus on there so that people who are, you know, have heard what you've talked about and everything and want to check it out, what they can expect?
2: We really talk about how relationships, um, you know, the the journey, the intimate pathway that they can find uh, within themselves, that the relationship can really be. Uh, a place of healing and transformation, restoration within and between. And this is a journey. It's our hero's journey. It's our process. So we we take them on this journey from I to we, and we take them through three different stages of that. And because we want them to bring that part of them, that's bring that aliveness back, the freedom, the self-expression, the power, the um, authenticity, and the real connection that they can have through authentic communication exactly
1: and and i i know john and i both really enjoy the idea of the hero's journey the only ted conference john and i have ever gone to even though we want to go to more is that there was a tedx and the the whole theme of the conference was the hero's journey by joseph campbell and because we've lived it i mean it's a reason we started the podcast and we've both had career transitions and everything and Um, So I I love that connection you make between going through that journey as part of being in a relationship and connecting with others. So that's really great. Where else can our listeners go to check it out? I know you have a website. You mentioned the Relationship Society. How do they find you and and learn these things? And can they follow you and kind of get advice that we all we all need? People might say they don't, but we need it when it comes to relationships.
2: Oh, absolutely. Well, on Facebook, I have, it's www.facebook.com forward slash The Relationship Society, as well as we have our website, The Relationship Society. And I have this amazing business partner, uh, Savannah Ellis, who's Australian. And we've been working together. And we do a lot of infidelity coaching around trauma and relationships. um, And that's infidelitycoach-la.com. And then we have our blog, rebootrelationship.blogspot.com, and they can find all that information out that way.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And we will we'll put those links on there. So people can go to smartpeoplepodcast.com and and check out the the most recent post with you on it in this episode. And we will link to that in your book. Joe, this has been awesome. I I really appreciate you chatting with us. It's something that, you know, we're all trying to master the art of connection and relationships. Men and women do have their differences, but we have to figure out a way to get past them or else we would all be uh, single, lonely souls.
2: And really celebrate those differences because when you start celebrating like the wabi-sabi stuff and really connecting to that, then that transformation can really start taking hold, really embracing those differences and loving those differences um, because that's really the thing that makes the whole world go around.
1: Well, Joe, thanks again. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Have a good night. You too. Good night. Welcome back. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode with Joe. And I also hope that you enjoyed getting a little bit more of a personal look into Chris and I's relationship lives. I realized that. Yeah, that's for sure. There was a... A couple of divulges I think between the two of us. Well once we on were there. done, I was like, I wonder if that was too much. And I said, you know what? No way. Everybody If you deserves... don't
1: have it, if you don't have those issues, you are not human.
0: Exactly. And everybody deserves to know where we're coming from when we're talking to a relationship person. So True. it all works out in the end. If you guys enjoyed that episode, please head over to iTunes, leave us a rating, leave us a star review, comment on there. It helps the show so much. And we really do appreciate when you guys leave us little nice things over there. So Yeah, John gets all giddy. If you could do that, I will call that your Christmas present to me.
1: Oh, I like that. So, yeah, happy holidays to everyone. Don't worry. We are going to keep cranking out episodes through the holidays because we want to let you know, give you some away time from your in-laws that are visiting that you hate. Or if you love them, you can all listen to it together. True. Smartpeoplepodcast.com check us out tell your friends that's a huge thing guys tell your friends um but we appreciate it we're glad you listen we, we get emails and man it's just the most fun to hear from you guys and say hey killer episode or whatever so we're doing this into 2014 and beyond be safe be merry
0: catch you next week to infinity yeah and <laughs>